0: Well, happy Mother's Day to all of you. And uh, uh, we want to thank you who are joining us online. We're glad that you're with us this morning as well. And we're going to continue our series on healthy minds. And we kicked the series off a couple of weeks ago by learning how we can partner with and submit to God. And admittedly, that's a lot easier said than done, isn't it? And then last week, Pastor Jeff, he shared on when the journey is too much, and he touched on the cry of loneliness that often comes shrouded in the mist of depression. Pastor Jeff was very transparent in sharing his own personal journey with depression. And the whole idea behind this series is that we want to explore simply how to get our minds healthy. And this series isn't exhaustive by any means. I mean, none of us up here are experts on any of these topics. But we want to at least open the door and acknowledge these different topics that pertain to mental health. And it seems as if COVID has sort of heightened our awareness of our need to be mentally healthy. And we're going to tackle other topics in this series, topics like fear, stress, worry, and anxiety. But this morning, I'm going to share about contentment. And you might be thinking, contentment, is that really a mental health issue? I mean, you can understand depression, anxiety, and worry, but contentment is sort of an odd duck, isn't it? But I think that a lack of contentment can be a contributing factor to many mental health issues. Issues. I mean, if you're not content to a certain level, you can experience worry and fear and anxiety. And I, I recently found myself in a state of discontentment as I was preparing for this message. You know, I'm writing and I'm researching, and when I write, I get stressed. So I begin to stress eat. Anyone else a stress eater? Proudly raise your hands. Yep, yep, no no shame here. And when I'm stress eating, nothing is safe. Nothing is off limits, particularly if it's sweet. So a week or so ago, I received a hot tip. The tip <laughs> was that Timber Kids had a box of one of my all-time favorite sweet snacks, Twinkies. Yeah, I know, I know, you're like, oh man, yep, you can feel this, right? And uh, so I just casually and I nonchalantly make my way over to the Timber Kids office and on my way over there I'm making nice to everybody, I'm, you know, shucking and jiving, but really I'm on a mission and the niceties are just getting in the way of what ultimately I want. Right? So I finally find it. I find the coveted Twinkies. And as I'm making my way out of the Timber Kids office, Stephanie, our early childhood director, she's walking in and she's holding a huge box of Lamar's donuts. Come on, people. Now I have a dilemma. Do I go with the coveted Twinkie or do I go with my all time favorite church snack? A Lamar's donut. I mean, what would you do? How many of you would take the Twinkies? How many of you would go with the Lamar's donut? How many of you would just throw caution in the wind and take them both? <laughs> I love that. Well, I went with the donut. And as I'm leaving the Timber Kids office, I tell them that I am stress eating. And Stephanie, she's seen me in this condition many times before. And she says, oh, you must be writing. And I said, yes. And then Kenda, the Timber Kids admin, she says, what are you writing about? And I said, contentment. (laughs) Clearly, in that moment, I was in a state of discontentment. I wanted something that I thought would bring me satisfaction and relieve me of my discontentment. The Greek word for contentment is autarkia. And basically it means that the possession of external things will never bring about the contentment that you and I so deeply desire. The dictionary defines contentment as a state of happiness and satisfaction. And for some of you who are old enough to remember all the way back in 1965, Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones, they had a massive hit titled, Satisfaction. You remember it, right? In that song, there are a couple of interesting lines, beginning with the famous line, I can't get no satisfaction. But then as the song progresses, we hear, when a man comes on the radio, he's telling me what? More and more. And then again, the man comes on and tells me how white my shirts can be. And almost in an exasperated tone, Jagger responds, I try, and I try, and I try. And then he finishes with the famous line, I can't get no satisfaction. Now, preparing for this message, I spent a lot of time in Scripture, as you can imagine, but I also listened to that song more times than I cared to admit. But I think this song perfectly captures what can lead to a lack of contentment and satisfaction in our own lives. When we hear other people telling us how we should be or what things we should have or how we should live or what we should do, I mean, this is marketing 101, isn't it? Marketers and advertisers like the man on the radio, they know how to get to us, don't they? They know that we will only be happy and content with that name brand of shoes or that really cute pair of jeans or that sweet fly rod that catches a trout on every cast. And if we don't have those things, well, then we're not quite as cool as those who do have it, which then leads to our lack of contentment. Like with my desire for the Twinkies and eating the donut, what we often find is that when we get the things we desire, our contentment is short-lived, isn't it? After I enjoyed the donut, and I did enjoy that donut, I still had to go back to writing and preparing for today's message. But of course, you know, we don't need other people to tell us how to do things. We have social media that does that, right? We have Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, right? These are wonderful places where everyone puts their best self forward. And as we scroll through our social media feed, what happens? The dreaded and highly contagious disease, comparisonitis, sets in. I mean, you know how it is, right? You're looking on your media feed and you look at it and you're like, man, everybody's going on a Caribbean vacation. And the best you can do is take your family up to Horse Horsetoo. Everybody seems to be dressed in the nicest clothes and going out to the fanciest restaurants. And the best you can do is Netflix and Pizza Inn. And before you know it, you're looking at your life and you thought your life would be a lot different than it currently is. And your discontentment grows. And you look around And you start to think, you know what? I deserve more than this. You know, this whole house that I've been living in, I think I deserve a new house. That old clunker of a car I've had for 15 years, I think I deserve a new car. And while you're at it, you start to look over at your husband or your wife and you're thinking, they're looking pretty old too. I think I'll trade this one in for a new one. Because all of this would be better than the house or the car or the spouse that you currently have, right? (laughs) Oh my goodness. Discontentment has set in and is growing. It grows because you and I, we often think when we achieve the things that we've always hoped for, then life will be good and I'll be content. All of this stems from us trying to find contentment or satisfaction in things other than God. And for me, just being transparent here, this has been a constant struggle in my life. In fact, I would say for most of my adult life, I have been a very discontented person. I'm not one that really strives for things. I never have been. But I have often thought, you know what, if I only had that job, or if I could only gain this prestige, or if I could only make that much money, then I would be content. And over the years, of course, my discontentment hasn't just affected me, no, it's affected my wife, and we have three sons, so it's affected them as well, and all of this flies in the face of what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Philippi. He said, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed. Or hungry, Whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. Keep in mind, Paul is writing this letter as a prisoner inside of a Roman jail cell. And for those of you who might be new to the Apostle Paul, he was a guy who wrote almost half of the books in the New Testament. And before he was Paul, his name was Saul a by-the-book, hard-nosed guy, a stickler for all that went into being a Pharisee, which was one of the highest orders in the Jewish tradition. He was well-to-do and well-respected. He went around capturing Christians and having them thrown in the jail. He stood as a witness and watching them be stoned to death, a real wonderful, upstanding kind of guy. But he had a come-to-Jesus moment one day, That completely changed his life. And in this passage, he's reminding all of us of the first point in our outline, if you're following along in the app, which is contentment is something that needs to be learned. Contentment is something that has to be learned because it does not come naturally. (laughs) When you learn something, what are you doing? You're changing the way you think. And Paul writes about this in another letter to the Church of Rome. He says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed, read it with me, by the renewing of your mind. Learning something as challenging as contentment takes time. A couple weeks ago, right outside those doors there, I was visiting with an 81-year-old friend of mine, and I asked him his thoughts on contentment, and he said that as he has gotten older, he's discovered that the things he used to be so concerned with are no longer as important as they once were. He said he realizes his days are short, he has maybe 10 or 20 years left on this earth, And the things that used to cause him discontentment no longer bother him. Because now his concerns are for the things that concern God. He said he's become more and more focused on what really matters in life. Such wise words, aren't they? My friend has learned contentment. The truth is is that there is a war waging inside of each and every one of us. It's a war between our flesh and our spirit. It's a war that takes place in our minds where we, we think the proverbial grass is greener on the other side. It's a war between us desiring and striving for more and more and more. And wanting to be content with the things we have. A perfect example of this is John D. Rockefeller, the famous oil man who lived in the 1800s. When asked the question, how much money is money enough, he famously responded, just a little bit more. (laughs) At the time, John D., he owned 90% of Standard Oil, and his wealth network was so vast that it equaled between 1% and 3% of the entire United States economy. John D. provides an example for all of us and shows us that our flesh is never truly satisfied. It's part of our sin nature. We have this insatiable desire for more. And this takes me to the second point to write in your outline, which is that contentment means we don't need more to be happy. Author and pastor John Mark Comer, he says, contentment is a soul-level satisfaction where you're grateful for what is rather than grasping for more. This leads to what Comer describes as disciplined desire. It's okay for us to desire things, It's okay. What's not okay is what we attach to those desires. If we think that having whatever, fill in the blank, will bring about fulfillment in our lives, that fulfillment will be short-lived. In 2014, a group of researchers climbed the Himalayas (coughs) to an unreached people group in a remote village that had about 200 families living in it. And the purpose of their visit was to identify human emotions that are universal across all cultures. Emotions like sadness, surprise, anger, fear. And these villagers were shown pictures of people who had different facial expressions. And surprisingly, the villagers, they were able to recognize the majority of the emotions that were displayed with high accuracy, all except for one, the emotion of contentment. And the leader of the trip, Dr. Georgie Wangchuk, said, it's hard to translate it into our language exactly, but the closest word to contentment is chakshay which is a very deep and spiritual word that means the knowledge of enough. It basically means right here, right now, everything is perfect as it is, regardless of what you're experiencing on the outside. I like that. The knowledge of enough. Paul is writing again in another letter. And in this letter, he's writing to his protege, Timothy. And he's offering him all sorts of sage advice that an older guy can pass on to a younger guy. And he says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. Something for all of us to remember is that the things of this world are not designed to satisfy our souls. The things of this world will never fulfill us. Jesus, he reminds us of where our real focus should be in Matthew chapter 6. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal but store for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is read it with me there your heart will be also we're just passing through folks Jesus reminds us to store up treasure in our eternal home. The third point for you to write down in your outline is, contentment happens despite our circumstances. Contentment happens despite our circumstances. I mean, isn't that what the Apostle Paul tells us? He says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And I feel like this is such an important point for you and I to get. Our world can be crumbling around us, but we can still practice contentment. Horatio Spafford was the writer of It Is Well, the hymn we sang a few minutes ago. And this guy experienced a crumbling world firsthand. In 1871, he was a lawyer who lived in Chicago with his wife, Anna, and their four daughters. On October 8th of that year, the Great Chicago Fire happened, and for two days, the fire ravaged the city. Over 300 people died, 100,000 people were left homeless, and the property damages totaled over $200 million. And Horatio, he had extensive real estate holdings, and he lost it all. Fast forward to 1873, Spafford's economic interests were further hit by a financial downturn and feeling the need to just kind of get away, he arranged for he and his family to board a ship and travel to England to help out D.L. Moody with a ministry campaign over there. But just prior to leaving, Horatio got called back to Chicago for some business But he sent his wife and his girls on ahead with the hope that he would catch up with them in England. About a week later, the ship Anna and the girls were on collided with another ship in the early morning hours and sank into the Atlantic in less than 12 minutes. 226 souls died, including the Spafford's four daughters. Anna survived and was rescued by another ship that took her to Wales and there she sent a a telegram back to Horatio that said, saved alone, what shall I do? Shortly afterwards, Horatio boarded a ship to be with his wife and as he traveled on the Atlantic, the captain of the ship called for him and said, to the best of my knowledge, this is the spot where the tragedy occurred and your daughters perished. And while Horatio did not pen the words to the song while on the Atlantic, the tragedy did provide a backdrop and inspiration for him to write the words, It is well with my soul. Horatio and Anna, they show us. They show us through this song that you and I can have contentment despite our circumstances and obviously this is much easier said than done I totally get it every single week I read and I pray over the prayer requests that come in from our congregation and many of you are going through some heavy things in your life and being content in light of what you're going through is challenging to say the least There isn't any real formula to gaining contentment. But as we close here, let me quickly leave you with two places to start. The first is simply to practice gratitude. Just being mindful that anything you and I have is only because it is a gift from God. In acknowledging that and giving thanks for the things we have, helps us to focus less on the things we don't have. The nugget here is realizing contentment is a byproduct of gratitude. What story is your life writing? People around you are reading you. They're watching how your life is playing out. What would people closest to you say about you? Would they say that you're a contented person or are you better known as someone who's grumbling about the things you don't have? As your story is unfolding, do you want to be known as someone who is constantly striving for more and more and more? Do you want to be known as a person who is unhappy or as someone who is thankful for the things you have in your life? Here's a little homework for all of us to do this week. This week, every single day, write down one thing that you are thankful for. Just one thing. And let's see if in a week, we are feeling more content and at peace with the present. The second thing is this. Grow yourself instead of your empire. You know, you and I, we can get so caught up, can't we, in our fast-paced world with the desire to advance in our jobs or grow our bank accounts, all of those things, Jesus reminds us, those are all going to fade away. We get so focused on the earthly things that we neglect the eternal things, things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, you know, fruit of the spirit kind of stuff. Those things will last forever. Are those traits becoming more and more evident in your life? I have a feeling if they are, you will experience contentment. Will you pray with me? Father God, we come before you this morning grateful for your grace and your mercy. We're grateful, God, for your goodness that we experience every day in our lives. God, we pray over this topic of contentment, and we admit, I'm sure all of us can admit here this morning that we have at different times in our lives experienced discontentment, where we've had our eyes focused on other things other than you, but we pray this morning, God, that you would speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, speak to each of us and help us to be thankful for the things we have, for the people in our lives, so that we may practice contentment. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.